You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. And we've looked here at these seven churches to Asia Minor. We looked first at the church of Ephesus, uh, chapter 2, the careless church. And then we saw the crown church, Smyrna, uh, and Pergamos, the compromising church, Thyatira, the corrupted church. And then we get to chapter 3, and then we have these three churches, the feeble church, uh, which was Sardis, and then Philadelphia, the faithful church, and then tonight, Laodicea, the foolish church, the foolish church. And there is so much admonition given to us as we look at these churches. And as we look at them tonight, I pray that all of us would not just store some information away in our mind, but the Spirit of God would just work in our own hearts. It's one thing to have Bible knowledge. It's another thing for God to use that to change us. When he said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It wasn't just hearing physically, it was being spiritually in tune to where we are embracing what we are being given. And God has preserved his word for us, this church at Laodicea, and we will look at that tonight. Father, I do pray that you'd bless. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for uh, this group of believers, Lord, that we get to serve you together. And now as we've gathered tonight here in the auditorium, uh, those that are in the teen classes and the children's kids club, or uh, those that are online, Lord, all of us collectively, corporately, uh, Lord, we've set this time aside because we want to hear from you. And I do pray that you would just uh, grow us tonight, uh, lead us and help us in our own personal walk. So bless now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, take your Bible and go to 1 Peter. Hold your place here in Revelation. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Now, when we get to the church at Laodicea, we are going to deal with judgment. We are going to deal with uh, God dealing with some very real problems uh, to the extent that this church has been classified uh, by theologians as they're going through and trying to figure out who's what. Uh, this church is called the Foolish Church. This is a, a church that uh, is lukewarm, and we're going to see some things that are there. But look with me, Revelation and chapter... I'm sorry, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, look with me at verse number 17. The Bible says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Let's read that statement together. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Of God and Lord, He is the Lord is talking and He is saying uh, His people. He is dealing first with His people, and He will deal with those that have rejected Him. Uh, but 
But first, before that end time judgment of those who have rejected him, there has to be a judgment that begins with uh, God's people at the house of God. Uh, what did he say in, uh, in First Chronicles? He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It starts with God's people. And God is not dealing yet with those who are not his children. He's dealing with those who are his children. Years ago, one of the men that I discipled, and uh, he grew f- tremendously uh, and was just a huge help uh, in the ministry. We served uh, a lot of years together. And one day I was, I was over and he, we were talking. He said, yeah, he said some of the neighbor kids came over and they, were, they weren't following the rules in my house. And uh, I told them if they weren't were going to follow the rules, I was going to whoop them. And I said, I just started laughing. He said, well, they kept on playing and they didn't listen. So I got my paddle out and I whooped them. <laughs> and he, he, gave, he gave somebody else's kids hacks. And I'm like, okay, brother. I said, we need to back this off a little bit. We don't want you to go to jail. And uh, what was funny was he had law enforcement background. He was military police uh, up until that point. And so now he's spanking somebody else's child. I said, you're asking for trouble is what you're asking for. Now, uh, we, we don't discipline somebody else's kids, but we'll discipline ours. You know what? That's what God's doing. He's, he has given this instruction to these churches. Why? Because these are his people. The, this is his church. It belongs to him. And he wants to make sure everything is done right and the way it ought to be. And so let's look again back at Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And, you know, when we start looking through this, we're talking about the author. And who is the author? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the author. He is the one that is speaking to his church. And he makes the statement. He says, these things saith the Amen. You know what? That is pretty that is pretty awesome. Uh, the amen, the beginning. Uh, and when you, when you look at that word amen, in the Hebrew, the word amen means truth. Go to, to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 65. In Isaiah 65, 16, we, we see how uh, this, this word, it's the exact same Hebrew word, correlates with this uh, Greek word uh, in, uh, in, uh, uh, in Revelation, Isaiah 65, 16. That he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of Truth. Now that word truth there is the same Hebrew word uh, that transliterates into the Greek word amen. Uh, He is the amen. Uh, And he is the beginning. He is the truth uh, because the truth, it begins with him. Everything starts with him. Uh, Go back to Revelation, uh, verse number 14. It said, uh, the amen, the faithful and true witness. Now, notice here, the Lord is, he is about to give this, this church, 
He's, a, he's about ready uh, to rip their lips off, if, if you would. He's about ready to give them one of the hardest messages they probably ever heard. But before he does, he, he states who he is, who he is and why he has the authority. He is the amen. He is the truth uh, in, the, uh, in the, the, uh, uh, this truth. He is the amen. He is the beginning. So the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So that amen, he is the truth. Uh, then it says he is the faithful and true witness. He said, I'm not going to say anything that's not true. And everything that I say is absolutely true. And it always is, even when we don't like it. And he's, he is saying, be, before he gives them uh, the correction, uh, before he, he says anything, he's identifying who he is. He's identifying that what he says is true, and he is witness of that truth. Not only is he truth, he is now going to bear witness for the truth. He is the faithful and true witness. So he's testifying uh, of the truth, and he is truth, but he's testifying of that truth to his church, letting them know that go, don't even try to tell me that this isn't real. Don't even try to justify why you think you're okay. He said, I'm the faithful and true witness. He goes on, the beginning of the creation of God. So now we know here that uh, uh, it is referencing the Lord Jesus Christ. Some will take this verse and say, aha, Jesus was created. Uh, and that is not true. Jesus was not created. And so here, let's look at this verse. It says the beginning of the creation of God. He is the beginning as in he is the word beginning is the origin of. And so he is the origin of the creation of God. It came from him. It was not that he was in the beginning as in uh, he was created in the beginning. He was there. He was the origin of the beginning. The beginning came from him. And so he was not a created being, uh, as some would like to say, uh, but he was that faithful and true witness. His witness is true. His testimony is true. You know what? We have given, we have been witnesses of things, and we haven't always been a true witness. Have you ever had a friend that did something wrong? Well, I'm not going to tell on them. And what do we do? We give a false witness to keep them from getting in trouble, or we give a false witness to keep ourselves from getting into trouble. But the Lord has never done that. He has always given a true witness. So here, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, the one who started the church, the one who owns the church, the one who has purchased the church with his own blood, uh, he is the one that is going to now talk to this church and try to correct some things. Now, when we look at correction, it is always to right a behavior. Correction is always to right a wrong. It's never punitive. And God doesn't correct us because he's embarrassed. 
Have you ever corrected a child, you're one of your children, because you were embarrassed? I have. Don't you act like that. <laughs> you're embarrassing me. And, you know, with that, you know, but the Lord doesn't do that. Though I'm sure many times we embarrass him. Many times we live in such a way, as someone was just sharing with me earlier this week, that uh, they, were, they were out somewhere and they were talking to a contractor and trying to uh, witness to the guy. And the guy was uh, a rough guy and didn't, I mean, he cursed and he drank and he did everything that a lost person would do. And they started talking to him about the Lord and, and witnessing to him. And he's like, oh no, I'm a Christian. I've accepted the Lord as my personal savior. And they said, shh, don't tell anybody. Why? Because it wasn't living up to the name Christian. And the Lord, though we may embarrass him, though we may not live up to everything that we're supposed to be, when he corrects us, he's doing that out of love to try to get us to do right. What a blessing. What a blessing. So what are, what are some things that we see about this church? And if we're going to get beyond just the introduction, I better get going here. Uh, so what do we see about this church? Look at verse number 16, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What do we find? First of all, this church, they lost their vigor. They lost uh, their, their zeal for the Lord. And he said, so then, because thou art lukewarm, lukewarm, thou art neither cold nor hot. Now, uh, Laodicea, uh, and, I've, and I've watched some, uh, some, uh, some different uh, research, some different things, and uh, looking at some of the different uh, archaeological finds, they say that, uh, that Laodicea, uh, in that area, they had huge amounts of hot springs. Has anybody ever been to a hot spring? Uh, when I was in Washington, we had a, uh, an area that had some hot springs, and uh, people would go to those areas, they'd camp, they'd get these cabins and different things to be around these hot springs. They always smelled like sulfur, just like rotten eggs. Uh, but uh, anyway, they had these, these hot springs. Now, uh, some of the archaeological finds, when you're looking at the city of Laodicea, they've got these major, uh, big, huge uh, cutout sections where they would have the aquifers of water coming through, but then they would have other hot water from these, from these hot springs that would come in, and they would go through these, these entire columns. I don't know how in the world they did it. I mean, we're talking about huge bricks that they were, they were cutting out eight inch uh, pipe, clay pipe, and putting them through these, uh, these huge monstrous uh, bricks and uh, big building blocks, concrete blocks, and, and they would pipe in hot water. You know what? What a wonderful thing. You turn on the shower and you let that water get hot and you step in and it's nice and hot. I like it to where it's just about where you can't be in there anymore. I mean, uh, that's, you just want it so hot that it just about hurts. That's about the right temperature. And, but you know what? It's just warm water. It's not cold. But warm water is just, eh. They say that 
that lukewarm water is used to make your stomach more nauseous. Now, I drink room temperature water often. But they say a lukewarm substance will make you more nauseous than a hot substance or a ice-cold substance. Now, I don't know whether or not that's true or not, uh, but they, they say that. And, and here, uh, this, this group of people, the Lord is identifying lukewarm as, not some, as something that's not good. Now, I love my coffee, and I like it hot. Now, I can drink some of the cold coffees, uh, the, uh, uh, just lost the name of the cold, the nitro cold brew. I can drink one of those uh, if it's cold, but just regular coffee, if it's cold, I don't want it. If it's lukewarm, I really don't want it. But I'll drink it ice cold, I'll drink it cold, or I'll drink it hot, but I don't like it lukewarm. Now, here the Lord, he himself was looking at this church and he said, he said, you are neither hot nor cold. He said, but you're lukewarm. He said, I would rather that you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, he said, I'm gonna, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He said, you make me nauseous. He said, he said, it is not palatable. This condition of this church that wasn't hot or cold, they were lukewarm. They're right down the middle. And you know what? God wants us, uh, not, he doesn't want us to be cold. He doesn't want us to have a cold heart. He wants us to have a hot, zealous heart for him. But you know what? You get in the middle and you don't influence anybody. There is zero impact. For someone that's part way in and part way out, there's no impact. And the Lord said, that's not the condition that I want my church to be. I don't want my church to be lukewarm. I don't want them to be indifferent. Uh, the indifference to the things of God. Apathy. It is a killer of churches. You know, apathy spreads. And just being complacent and indifferent, it spreads. Matthew Henry said this. He said, if religion is worth anything, it's worth everything. You know what? That's the truth. And he's using the, the word religion uh, as in the relationship of Jesus Christ. He's not talking about a, a godless religion. He's talking about the relationship uh, of cr the Christian life. And he's talking and saying that if, if that relationship is worth anything, it's worth everything. And that is the truth in our life. And we need to, uh, to be zealous for the Lord. The Lord wants us to be zealous. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He doesn't want us to just be complacent. He doesn't want us to have an apathetic uh, uh, heart. He wants us to be on fire for him. He wants us to be zealous for him. You know what? If, if you are on fire for the Lord and you tell somebody about the Lord, they're more apt to listen to you. You give testimony about how good God is. Yeah, God's good. Boy, that didn't convince anybody, did it? But you start talking about how good God is, and God is good. 
And it is a blessing to be a child of God. And it, he is a wonderful Savior to serve. Uh, we had the, the men's Bible study. Uh, and as we were, we were talking, just, just saying the Christian life, it is the greatest life uh, in all the world to live. I mean, there is something worth living for. And the Lord who changed my life, who has changed my eternal destiny, he's worth serving. And he's worth serving with zeal. He's worth serving with some fire in our soul. Uh, someone said this. Uh, they were, they were, uh, uh, they, one guy went to uh, talk to his neighbor about a message that he had heard. And, and he was telling him, he said, you know, he said, I, I heard this preacher uh, make a statement. Uh, and, you know, I'm just not really sure of, uh, of what, uh, whether or not it's true. It's just sort of stuck in my mind. But he said that all of the world's problems could be summed up in two words, ignorance and apathy. And he looked at this other guy and he says, what do you think? I don't know. I don't care. Ignorance and apathy. And you know, that's, that is so often the, 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 the status. First Kings 18, 21, 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? You see, there's always been a battle with complacency. There's always been a battle with zeal. There's always been a battle with making a decision. And, and am I going to do anything for the Lord or I'm just going to sort of float? We used to go fishing in the rivers during uh, the salmon run. And you'd have these big king salmons coming up river. And you catch a 45 or a 50 pound king salmon, man, you got a hold of something. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. And uh, you're fishing for these, these huge salmon. Uh, but you let the season go just a little bit long. And towards the end of the season, you know what you're going to find is these salmon, they're coming up river and they're spawning and they're dying. And they just sort of come floating back down river. And I'd see people go in and grab them and pull them off to the side. And it's like, what are you going to do with that? I mean, it's half dead and the meat is rotting right there on the, the fish while they're still alive. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, and people are like, oh, I'll just smoke it. Well, if the meat's bad before you smoke it, it's going to be really bad after you smoke it. Uh, and so I think you'd have to be smoking something to be able to eat that. Uh, but uh, not that I'm condoning that. Uh, and so, uh, but here you see this church, they've lost their vision. They, or they've lost that, uh, that vigor there. Uh, Amos 6.1, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. It's always been a problem. There are people that are on fire for God and there are those that are just content. And this church was at a place where they were lukewarm. And that can happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere if we let it. James 4.17, 4, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. And God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. And you say, well, pastor, that's just sort of where I'm at. Then we need to work on that. Remember from where, where thou art fallen and do the first works. Remember that with the church at Ephesus uh, that was careless. Uh, so we want to make sure that we are, we are doing what the Lord uh, would want us to do. Uh, and, and we see that this church, they lost their vigor. Secondly, they lost their values. They lost their values. They had the wrong set of values. 
You know, child of God, one of these days we're going to be gone. When we get to heaven, we will never have the desire to have had more money in the bank or work more hours or climb a corporate ladder. But we will wish we had done more. And the values, what, what is it that we value? So Revelation 3, 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel of thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know what he's saying? He's saying you need to change what your values are. He said the gold that I give, it'll last. Lay not up for yourselves on earth the treasures which moth and rust doth corrupt and the things that thieves break in and steal. Why? Because there's a value. And I'm not saying that we don't uh, do our best and we don't earn and save and, uh, and better ourselves. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that can't be what our goal is. The Bible says labor not to be rich. That, that isn't the, that's not the value of the believer. That's not the, the goal. He said these individuals, they, they, they were rich and increased. Uh, and they, they had the idea, well, God blessed me, so it must be okay. You know what? There are a lot of people that are richer than any of us. Was it that God blessed them so that everything that they're doing is Okay. No, there is a God of this world. And, and here, the value, their values were wrong. Financial blessings does not mean that everything is good. Financial blessings is not the goal. There are a lot of rich and successful and famous people who will die and go to a devil's hell. And unfortunately, there are people that name the name of Christ They'll go to heaven, but they had the same values down here on earth. And that ought not be. That ought not be our, our goal. Uh, this church, this assembly of believers was, was, was called out by the Lord because of their value system. Our values determine our priorities. We make a priority of what we value. And here, this church, uh, they, had, they, they, they had the wrong set of values. They said they had need of nothing. Their value system was skewed. When they looked at their value system, they thought, we are rich and increased in goods. We have need of nothing. Everything is good. The Lord said, you don't know. You're poor, you're miserable, you're naked. You're blind. He said, you don't, you don't even know the condition that you're in. Why? Their values were wrong. And the Lord is talking to his own people. Remember, the faithful and true witness. The one that's the, the origin of the beginning. The one who is the amen. And he's the one that's saying, listen, 
This is, this is the value system. Their value was wrong. Uh, and uh, and he, he, was, he was, was calling out uh, these, these uh, values that were wrong. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. What you think is rich versus what God said was rich, they were different. And God was saying, you need, you need to be on my system of values. And this church, there were people that were in the church, but they were apathetic. They'd lost their vigor. They, they were rich and, and they had the blessings and the financial blessings down here on this earth. But the Lord said that they lost their values. They had the wrong value system. He said, buy of me. He said, he said, uh, he said uh, counsel, uh, what was the term? I counsel thee to buy of me. Have you ever had some good counsel? You were in a spot and you went and talked to somebody. They gave you some good counsel. And you followed that counsel, and, and it worked, and you thought, man, what a blessing. Let me tell you something. You'll never get better counsel than from God. Amen. And this church, as a whole, he said, I counsel thee. Buy of me gold tried in the fire. So they lost this church. They they had their, their, their wrong value. Uh, they, were, they were viewing the temporal over the eternal. First Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith uh, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what? We, we need to be a part of his value system more so than our own. So they lost their vigor. They lost their value. Thirdly, they lost their vision. They lost their vision. Back in verse number 18, it says uh, at the end of the verse, it says, and anoint thine eyes with eye sieve, salve that thou mayest see. Oh no, I've got good sight. That's not what the Lord thought. I've got good perspective. I was talking to the kids this morning, and uh, we, we meet here in the auditorium, and we'll, we'll have pledges, and I'll have devos with the kids before the day starts. And, and I was talking to them about the glasses. And you know, uh, we in life, uh, I can see you right now without my glasses on, but not very clearly. I can't even see Brother Rick. I just know it's him. But, but I take my glasses off. I can still see, but I can't see clear. You know, when it comes spiritually speaking, if we don't have the Lord's view, we have a very skewed perspective. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. And if we are going, <clears throat> going through life and we're trying to see things and make decisions based on a, our own view, we'll be just like this church right here. And what had to happen? They had to see. God said, put on eye salve that thou mayest see. He said, you don't see. He said, you're blind. You're blind. 
And, and so here the Lord is, is addressing this, the needs of this church. Their vision was not clear. Their view, their vision, their perspective, it was not the Lord's perspective. Uh, and, you know, we need to, to look at life through what God values. We need to look at life through God's perspective. That's what wisdom is. Second Peter chapter 1. And I'll just read it here uh, because of time's sake, verses 5 to 9. And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you uh, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is... What? Blind. He's blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It's a perspective. And that perspective is based on the values. And here, when we look at this, this church, uh, it was, they had lost their vigor, they had lost their values, they had lost their vision. And then they had lost their vesture. They lost their vesture. Verse number 17, Revelation 3. He said, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Notice, naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyes, have that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. You see, this church, they didn't know that they were wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They didn't know that they had need of clothing. They had no need or no knowledge that their shame was revealed. And the Lord is standing here correcting this church. And he's correcting them because they were content with just living a life. Going to church, being saved, we're talking to believers. And he looks at them and he says, you don't even realize that your shame, your nakedness is revealed. He said, you know what? He says, you're naked, you don't know it. He said, you need that white raiment. What is it? That righteousness. And in doing so, what do we find? we find that the shame of our flesh, it's not seen. It's just doing things God's way. Verse 19, he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He said, be zealous to get things right. If if this is the reality in your own life, he's, he's talking to everybody in the church. And as he's making this statement, 
He's saying, he says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Be zealous and get it right. Be zealous uh, to return. Uh, Be zealous to reconcile, uh, to get things right with the Lord. And then verse number 20 to 22, we find uh, the verses that are attached to this church, this group of believers. It's not talking about a lost person that uh, the Lord is standing there knocking at the door, waiting for them to trust him. That's not what the context of this scripture is. This is the Lord knocking at the heart of the child of God who is cold and apathetic, and has the wrong set of values. He said, I'm knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any, what's that next word? Man. If any man, hear my voice. He went from the whole church. Now he's talking to the individuals within the church. You and I can't change the whole church, but I can change me. If my heart is getting cold, I can deal with that. If I am becoming complacent, I can deal with that. If my value systems are getting shifted and all of a sudden now I'm looking uh, more at, uh, at the resources, I'm looking more at uh, my own success in life as opposed to uh, the, the kingdom of God and, and things are getting out of whack, I can deal with that. I can't deal with Brother Tracy's sins. Miss Jeanette can, but, but I can't. But I can deal with mine. And the Lord here says, I, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This church, it was a church that the Lord said, you're lukewarm. You're not cold. You're not hot. You're lukewarm. He said, I wish you were one of the two, on fire or so cold that you're not going to do me any harm. You're not going to be in the way. You're not going to slow anybody else down. You're not going to be a distraction. You're not going to be a deterrent for those who are trying to do right. He said, I'd rather you're cold or hot. He said, but don't be lukewarm. And so this church, the Lord was dealing with them. This is the church that is categorized as the foolish church. And a church is just people. The assembly of people. And may we individually have the right set of values. May we have the zeal, the vigor. May we, we have that, that right perspective. This church, they lost their vig, vig, vigor, their values, their vision, and then they lost their vesture. They lost that righteousness. They lost those clothing, that righteous living. It was gone. And let's not allow the world to taint us. Let's live in such a way that we honor him.
Father, I pray that you'd help us. And Lord, as you uh, looked at this church, I pray that you would help our church, Lord, uh, to, to be what you'd want us to be. May we, we not be a foolish church. And Lord, uh, we, see, we see within every church and every age, Lord, different aspects of all seven of these churches in Asia Minor. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to look into our own lives. And Lord, may we respond. If our hearts have, have gr grown a little bit cold, I pray that you would stir them again in our own soul. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to recognize where we're at and that you are at that door knocking. And I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to get things uh, open and to repent and, and Lord, to be, uh, to be zealous about that uh, and, Lord, to, to turn back to you. So I pray that you'd help us uh, bless now this time of invitation. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Just a short time of invitation. The Lord spoke to your heart. You respond. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.